0: if you do not have a rubik's cube of some sort to solve you will not put the thought into how to you know arrange the blocks to solve it and if you don't have that cube to sort out then your solving muscles will atrophy i'm doug bobst personal trainer best-selling author and
1: entrepreneur and i'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves so i'd like to welcome you to the adversity advantage podcast where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today I'm extremely excited uh, to chat with my man, Aaron Alexander, for those of you who don't know Aaron, he's an accomplished manual therapist, a movement coach with over 13 years of professional experience. He is the founder of the Align Method, an integrated approach to functional movement and self-care that has helped thousands of people out of pain and into health. He, hopes that he hosts the top-rated Align podcast featuring the biggest names in movement and wellness. Aaron's clients include Hollywood celebrities, Olympic professional athletes, and everyone in between. He teaches workshops and speaks at events all over the world, and he's got this amazing book out called the align method um which you will definitely want to pick up because and it's it's an extremely helpful and resourceful read about his approach to staying aligned in all areas of your life. So Aaron, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to get to uh, get to uh, spend some time with you. Some digital time, remote time.
1: Yeah, man. So you know talk to like i think like the biggest thing that's like really interesting to me is this whole rolfing thing and i know like a lot of people don't even know a what it is and b like how does somebody kind of get into rolfing it's not like you can go to, to like a university and get a degree in like rolfing so how what is it and how did you get involved in it we go to the rolf institute
0: would be a place or there's the guild there's various different forms structural integration is a is a Uh, more appropriate term for it rolfing is the last name of a woman called ida p rolf who passed away Um, and she she was the founder of it and it's very similar to the manual therapy component to osteopathy which is more popular in europe Um, and essentially the 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 concept or idea of it is aligning the joints via the connective tissue or fascia so that the body when it is in structural alignment then it can begin to heal itself. Um, you know, so our physical tissue is wrapped up in various different structural patterns based off of, like you alluded to, perhaps emotional trauma or perhaps uh, an environment. The way that our environment forms us, which then we'll probably talk about later, uh, informs the way that we think and the way that we feel um, and the way that we mechanically move in our body. So structural integration or rolfing is a manual therapy practice to help people feel more comfortable in their bodies, essentially. And that's what the Align Method uh, that I created, um, it's like the user's manual for that.
1: So we we were talking before the show um, about you being from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is only about 40 minutes from me, Amish country. What you know what brought you from Lancaster to L.A. I mean, from Lancaster, excuse me, to Oregon, then to L.A. I mean, was it the career in rolfing? Did you did you land like a big client in L.A.? Like, what was what was the story behind that?
0: Well, so I moved to Hawaii when I was eighteen. And you, um, I don't know if you to what degree you know like my history with stuff, but I, like my dad was like smoking crack, and he went to he went to jail, and had all sorts of interesting things in my my home, which it, I think it kind of perhaps, uh, I'm immensely grateful for all that stuff. I don't really believe in like holding on to trauma and like that, something that I've noticed myself do, um, over the years, especially on my podcast for the last like five years and hearing myself talk about my trauma and like, you know, all these, these stories, oftentimes I think we can become attached to those stories of trauma because from like a Tony Robbins, perspective, he would, he would say it, it creates significance in our lives. And so I, I do my damnedest to not attach to, Oh, I had a rough childhood or something like that. Cause I really didn't, you know, and everything that has happened to me up, up to this time frame has been of immense value. And those traumas and quotations that I've had were actually like immensely informative and very helpful. Um, you know, so that happened. And then that, I think, made it a, a, like a, a life trajectory change from instead of going to physical therapy school in West Virginia, I decided to go to Hawaii and like hang out with, you know, hippies and learn to surf, you know. And then from there, I went to, started psychology at, at University of Hawaii there and went to massage school and went to Rolfing School then and kind of just it went a different direction. Yeah.
1: I knew that about your dad. And I think it's really interesting. And the reason I bring this up is because, um, I see a lot of. I mean, I've been in recovery for over 11 years, and I see a lot of people, whether they have parents who have struggled with addiction, or whether they have struggled with addiction themselves, get into some sort of health or wellness career because they see the benefit and value of that in in the healing, in the structural work. Because I think that a lot of our emotions, stresses, and everything is caused is 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 tied up like in our muscles. So, did yeah. did everything you experienced with your dad? has that helped you, I guess now with like some of your clients today and even like as you progress through, um, you know, your career, just having that to like fall back on the know that you were doing that for, for a greater purpose.
0: Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, not even necessarily for any altruistic, I'm doing this for a greater purpose stuff. I think just that I, if you do not have a Rubik's Cube of some sort to solve you will not put the thought into how to you know arrange the blocks to solve it And if you don't have that cube to sort out then your solving muscles will atrophy and so to me having being bound up in my body in weird ways and wrapped up in insecurities and various different forms of like shame and Just discomfort in my physical human experience of like not feeling comfortable walking in a room um, not feeling like I belong um, you know, all that stuff has been very informative and helpful because then it's like, okay, cool. Like, here's the cube. The colors are kind of, you know, spread out in various different directions. The cube's certainly not well put together at this point. It seems. Um, all right, let's learn. You know, let's let us let us go through this this process of learning how to put the pieces together. My my cube is still kind of jacked up. and I'm still in the process of finagling the blocks.
1: <laughs> yeah, we all are. You know, it's all good. Like so. Yeah. Did like, (laughs) um, you talk about insecurities, you talk about shame. Um, when did that kind of develop? I mean, was that in a high school thing? Was that college thing? Like, when was that that you really felt like insecure because of everything with your family and everything?
0: I don't think anything was because of anything. I don't know what, what anything is because of, I think culturally it makes a lot of sense to be a little uncomfortable, especially if you're a person that has any access to like any form of introspective thought as a young person, the world that we live in is very strange. You know, being locked up in a school and being forced to get, you know, torn out of your bed in the morning, I mean, it sounds a little violent, but, you know, you have to have your raging alarm bell er, er, going off, and then you, you know, you sit in this bus and you go to these topics, school that you don't really give a shit about, you're uncomfortable about people, and you're getting these erections, you got to, like, wrap up in your waistband, (laughs) you don't want anybody to see them, and, (laughs) you know, you're, like, you're, like, like trying to, you know, be the man and sleep with a girl, but she doesn't like me, and I don't know how to talk to anybody, and then I'm under artificially blue lit rooms with alternating currents that are inherently stressful and then I'm staring into my cell phone and then I sit on the bus and go back again and then you know my parents don't want to tell me that they actually you know are wanting to get a divorce and so I feel like I'm you know perhaps the reason for my parents unhappiness. I'm not saying that's everybody but that's you know a a thing I think because divorce seems like a failure that's ridiculous you know like you you not being you know joseph campbell following your bliss um that's a failure you know and so teaching your kids that you know what like i i i am following my heart i am you know i i live this human experience from a place like a heart-centered place um and you're gonna see me do that and you're gonna feel me do that because you're in my home you know you're in our home um, you know, so if you're living in that environment that I just painted, which is a pretty fire and brimstone kind of terrible environment, there's lots of beautiful. There's lots of beauty in the modern world as well. But let's just say you're in that environment. If you don't find it a little funny, um, you're just not paying close enough attention.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and I think you hit home some some great points. I mean, that is, if you think about it, yeah, that, that story you just painted that's very typical in today's society with people, right? whether they want to admit it or not. Um, you know, it's like there's so much pressure. A, hey, we'll, we'll talk about being a male. Being a male, you got to sleep with a bunch of women. You got to make a bunch of money. You got to be a crazy athlete. And if you're not that, you don't fit in. At least for me, that's, yeah. that was me. I was always like the dorky fat kid um, who was always picked on and made fun of. And it, not that I'm blaming any anything, because again, I thought like you said, it was a significant part of my life that has brought me some. Um, brought it's part of my story, and I accept that and I own that. But, but as I look back. I can see how how challenging that is as a kid, especially when the norm of society, you're saying you have to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm sure, and obviously there's the same stigmas for women. Um, like, and we talk about like environmental stressors and I was actually, um, you know, talking to somebody else about this the other day. I think, and, and I'm sure you can, re, um, you can definitely talk more about it. That a lot of the stress and tension in our body doesn't just come from like, working out it comes from our environment maybe it's a relationship maybe it's the food we're eating maybe it's lack of sleep do you feel that our stress like our stress in our bodies and the tenseness is, is something other than just muscular
0: it's not other than muscular it's there they're, they're it's two ends of the same rope you know so your muscles aren't this separate thing you know so we we learn a, we get a two-dimensional model for you know teaching purposes because it's easier to describe bicep brachialis with you know the the attachment the origin and the insertion at this point and then you go up to the anterior delt and then the trapezius and the sternocleidomastoid and the like we break that down your body has no idea what you're talking about. Like it has no semblance of these two dimensional individual insertion origin point A to point B lever pulley system. It has no idea what you're talking about. Those are stories to make us be able to teach shit in school and teach stuff at personal training certifications. And, you know, and so then we try to layer on that two dimensional model onto our lives. Um, you know, it just—it's—it's—it uh, doesn't make any sense. i don't remember the question. I got so excited about the two-dimensional model. So, what was the question exactly? I well, advice, it
1: was, I oh, no, it's okay. I was talking about like how like a lot of people they get tense and they think oh, it's yeah, just sorry, something sorry. from like yeah. working out or maybe they. But I think yeah.
0: it's more than just that. It's your environment too. I mean, do you agree? yeah yeah so that's yeah thanks, thanks thanks for that um yeah so that's we get attached to that through the the process of learning about these individual muscle fibers and muscle bellies and you know then you have okay now we're gonna do the visceral system now we're gonna do the nervous system and now we're gonna we're gonna go through all these separate systems You know, that's like, that's not the way the body works. And the emotional system or the thought system or the mental system um, and the visceral system and the the enteric, which it means visceral, um, musculoskeletal, all that, if you affect any one of those systems, that trickle, that effect trickles through the hole. You know, it's two ends of the same rope. You pull on one end. Yes, your hand is on that end, but it directly trickles over to the other side. Um, You know, so if you think of, imagine yourself, being scared right now like truly scared you know not just kind of passive like okay scared you know whatever for you to really feel scared your shoulders contract they raise up your breath shortens it comes up into clavicular like up in your higher chest um you know your maybe your eyes will start to peel open and you'll get your vision will get very myopically focused um and you're in this literally fight flight sympathetic state that's a physical embodied experience. That's what an emotion is. You know, now let's say you feel orgasmic, or let's say you feel proud, or let's say you feel you know anything, fill in the blank thing. For you to feel that's like method acting. If you're not experiencing that emotion from your feet up to up into your fingertips, you're probably not really embodying that experience. You know, and so if we live in an environment like you're alluding to of the environment forming us, well how does the environment form most modern people um you know so let just look at it you're in a chair a lot you know typically your pelvis is kind of rolled underneath in that chair your spine might be kind of rolled forward a lot you might have this it's called upper cross syndrome it's a fancy way of saying you roll, your shoulders are rolled forward your head's in that forward head posture um you know your knees might be collapsing in you know all that stuff is their collapse of patterns uh depression is the number one leading cause of disability in the world um, that position anatomically that I just described, the literal translation of depression is to pull down. Well, that anatomical position that I just described is it's a pulled down structural position. Could there be a s- mental, emotional association to the way that you carry your body? I would say absolutely 100% yes. Um, you know, but people can you know, determine that for themselves. So yeah, it's connected, I guess it'd be a, a short way of saying that.
1: Inter- yeah, it's very interesting. And I think, like, there's so much, so many other factors that go into that. And you talk about the fight or flight response, and you talk about anx- anxiety, you talk about depression, you talk about, you know, stress. Um, and I, I know one thing I've really. Um, um, I've seen with you and that I'm, it was impressive. That's why I was asking you at the beginning, are you in like in some sort of mastermind is how you surround yourself with all these people that are like-minded and like, you know, I see like how much fun you seem to have in LA and how you're holding, you know, people up and they're holding you up and you guys are traveling, doing all this cool <laughs> stuff. And it's awesome because I think that that's like the secret sauce to life is community is hanging out with good people that support you love you challenge you to be a better person that are there for you at 2am if you need them that are there for you when you're going through tough times and they're there for you to lift you up when you are like, you know, needing when you are experiencing good stuff, right?
0: yeah i mean that's the the longest longitudinal study in history i think it was done in harvard and it started i think it was like 1936 i'm pretty sure is when it started and they studied students um from uh in college and then they studied their through their whole lives and then they studied their offspring or their, their their kids as well and they had them come in each like month and you know check their blood panels and body fat and like emotional state and career choices and relationships and all that stuff. And after that, you know, 80 odd years of following these people, what they found unanimously was that people that had the most connected, meaningful relationships, not necessarily most, but just they had connected, meaningful relationships. They felt like they were a part of a tribe or a community. Uh, they were the winners, you know, they were the healthiest and they had the lowest body fat and they had the, you know, emotional health and all that stuff. Um, we are sold in the present advertising world, the idea that we need to purchase shit in order to feel happy, strong, healthy, and emotionally well. Um, but that's, you always have to look at the source of the people like most often it's people trying to make, you know, get your credit card number in order to sell you stuff. And the, the most powerful way to get someone to buy their stuff is to make them have the belief system. This is from a guy called Edward Bernays, who's known the, as the, the father of modern advertising. He was the, the, I think the cousin or nephew of Sigmund Freud. Um, if you can convince people that they tie their, their, their self worth and their value to the materials that they have in their lives, then they will buy your shit. Uh, you know, and so that's like, we're, living in the aftermath and like we're present like right in the thick of that of people kind of identifying ourselves with you know the things that we have in our lives as opposed to the relationships and um yeah i mean science and logic seems to point that relationships is gonna be a thing that really matters
1: so true i mean i think we live in a world where We were so material, we're so like surface level where we're not, we can't, we can't go anywhere without, you know, somebody being comparing their car to the next person's car, their house or how much money they make. And and it's like, if, if that were true, then why would celebrities commit suicide? Why would billionaires commit suicide? Why would they, if that were true, that money bought everything, why would that kind of stuff happen? Right. And what do you think? it does to have like this community of people around you when you're going through adversity, how has it like helped you for instance, say like, I know like one of the things that you, that was, I'm sure I've struggled for you is when you first picked your stuff up, moved to Hawaii, hung out with a bunch of hippies, you built, <laughs> you found a community there. How did that community of people help you from like transitioning out of, you know, moving from the East coast, what, 6,000 miles away?
0: Yeah. Um, I don't think that I really allowed community in for most of my life because I think of like, I've been, I've I've been pretty effective with creating rapport with quickness Um, And I think that's just some like survival tool Um, But then as far as getting letting people in to any kind of deeper capacity um, I think I've been kind of like afraid of that because of you know fear of like being abandoned or you know left or Not being enough or any of that stuff And so I think for the and I I, again, I don't want to paint this like a woe is me I think this is just you know something I'm noticing Um, I think it's totally great and I love it. It's awesome. Um, you know, but I think that just because you have people around you, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you have really have connected community. Um, you know, so I honestly, I think I'm only recently beginning to learn, um, the true value and even like the practice of connecting with people in in a meaningful way. So I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm an expert on it.
1: (laughs) What do you mean, do you think, let's just say in present day, like, I mean, even now, like, I'm sure we all have struggles. Is it, does it, obviously it helps, right. To be hanging out with people that are like good influences on you versus people that aren't right.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jim Rohn quote, you become the fight the product, the five people you spend most time with. Yeah. I mean, you're going to become the people that you're around. Um, that's just the way it, that's just the way it goes. And so I think people that some people are like, okay, well, you know, they'll like, look at, you know, somebody's Instagram account and be like, okay, well, I see you're around all these people. Um, you live in, you live where all those people live. You live where all those people that do the podcasts and do the, the things that like, I, I live in this small town in Minnesota or whatever. And I don't, you know, I'm, I don't have those types of influence around my world. Well, you do have podcasts and you do have, you know, access to books. And, you know, there's a lot of really great dead people that have wrote great books that, um, you know, you can learn a lot from. Right. And, you know, so I think that it's, it's not just it would be easy to feel kind of defeated if you're, you know, some far off like in Antarctica listening to this, you know. And I'm like, well, there's literally there's penguins and you know ice around me. Like, what am I going to become? Um, yeah, I think we can we can be just be more choosy, realizing that you are always forming to your environment, and that includes people, but it also includes information, includes music, includes commercials. You know, if you are throughout your day you just have the tv running on the background like i used to do like you're just being advertised shit you're like inviting that they're like barging into your house and you're hearing about tampons and a new toyota <laughs> and all this stuff and it's just like if you think that's not impacting you once again you're not paying attention enough you know so i think relationships also go beyond just like the the humans around you and then you know of, of course as well like you really need to value the shit out of the humans around you because having somebody that will pick you up from the hospital at two in the morning is a, a really big deal. Um, and value those people that will do that because just because you have people in your life that seem fancier on Instagram, um, will they pick you up from the hospital at two in the morning? You know, and if, if the answer is yes, then, you know, buy that person dinner and, you know, rub their feet and like treat them well. Um but too often we neglect the people that really matter and just focus on the things that we don't quite have yet and that's a that's a a good way to wind up very lonely
1: yeah, so true right where we become so lonely creatures, and we think that everybody on Instagram has it all together too, and we end up comparing you know their highlight reels sometimes to like our um, rock bottom, which in turn, you know, can create some, some more insecurities in us if we're not paying attention. So yeah. I know you've been doing the podcast now five years. And I know it's it has led to a lot of relationships for you. It's led to just building something that is really special. Were you full time? Because um, there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are maybe afraid to make a jump or afraid to take a chance that are like, you know what, like, I don't want to do this. I'm afraid of what so and so is going to say, or they're already doing this and the, the problem is they think that you have to connect all the dots have to be connected in order to make a leap. So, I'd love to hear from you because I think I know the answer to this, but I want them to hear like were you you were work were you working full-time professionally and then you started the podcast or did you just quit and then do the podcast?
0: Full-time professionally started the podcast, side hustle thing, continually working yep. on that any free moment that I had and then um yeah, slowly transitioning. I'm only recently transitioning really like the book was a really big deal. We we signed the contract for the book like a year and a half ago. Um that was a big that was a really big transition for me. Um the the, the advance was was meaningful and it, it kind of opened up, you know, various different doors, but that was the only reason that that manifested itself was because of the previous, you know, say four years of groundwork of getting all the pieces in order. Um, you know, and then before that, I would say that, you know, the, the previous 12 years at least I've been, I've been professionally working with clients for 16 years. And so, you know, to get to that point, not that it's, you know, any heroic, whatever, just whatever, whatever that point was to get to that point. Uh, it was just a lot of consistent building. Um, but yeah, I didn't, it would only be, if I'm honest, it would only be in the last, say, year and a half or so that I would say that there's been, it's felt safe for me to make any transition of like, okay, cool. Like, I don't necessarily need to have that, like, clinical practice happening. But I still do it because I think it's valuable. I'm just much more choosy with um, who I see. Typically, with the people that I work with are people that I want to, like, have tea with anyway. Um and then the other time is spent invested in things that can impact more people. So books and media and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that just, they think they have to have it all together to start something. And like it, for most of us, it's a side hustle. begins with a side hustle. It turns into something bigger. I know for me, when I wrote my first book back in 2014, it was just like literally like coming home, putting my face in my computer after I got off work from training clients and then before work and all this stuff. And even now doing the, the podcast, same kind of thing. And, you know, I think people, they they might see someone like you and be like, man, that guy's got it all together. He's never struggled because they see, you know, you know, obviously you're extremely fit. You've got a successful podcast. You have a successful career. Um, Talk about something maybe in the last few years that's been kind of like a big struggle for you that you can remember and how you've kind of gotten
0: through it. Hmm. Particular big struggle. Uh, I mean, something that's, this is a little bit, this might be a little lame, but, um, I just in the last like six, seven months, I injured my wrist. I mean, the, the emotional vulnerability thing would probably be a, a bigger thing. i just really recognizing that I've had a fear of intimacy, um, and being honest with that. That's, that feels like a very defeating thing to say, especially as a, a person in general, but for some reason I think as a man, probably just as a person in general. Um, but, but being really honest like yeah I've had a fear of intimacy you know like that's that sounds like some that sounds really valuable to you know recognize and you know be able to address that but uh, even more physically tangible injuring my wrist and realizing how much emphasis I mean this was very obvious to me but nonetheless like extra realizing how much emphasis I had put in my physicality as a tool for love and a tool for acceptance and a tool for you know just validation and so, I've many people that are very physical or very maybe smart or very funny. Imagine if a comedian lost their humor, um, they would they would many of them would spin out. It would be very challenging. Um, you know, I know comedians like that. They're like, oh, I don't want to take psychedelics or I don't want to do this or that because I think it might I might lose my funny. You know, and so for a person that puts a lot of their identity or their somebodyness in their physicality and their for me it would be like my ability to pick up people over my head and balance them and do tricks and whatnot and do handstands off of things and just random things, which this stuff's not that big of a deal. But nonetheless, like it's like it's has been a tool for acceptance, I think. So losing that, and uh now it's coming back, which is great. But in that learning and realizing how much I've been prostituting my body for uh like appreciation and love from other people. And even after that injury, the reason I say prostitute is like I would like be hurting myself in order to because that's what would like make people applaud in certain situations. And so I'd be willing to sacrifice my body and literally injure myself um, just because I, I like craved that acceptance and love. That's fucking deep shit. You know, I mean, where it's does like, that, where maybe does it that, seems like where does that come from? Uh, I don't know, man. Um, You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, and it's tough, right? Because I think you know, like we were talking about earlier, we live in a world where physicality and having a good body is like something that's like valued, right? And it's like that dance of being fit and not using it to the point where you're like trying to crave like and fill that void of attention. And I think, I mean, an and intimacy thing too is a big deal, right? That's a really, it's a hard thing to talk about. And I commend you for, for bringing that up because it's like, we all want to be loved as humans. And um, so let's talk about the book, man. So Let's oh, shift yeah, right, gears a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, forgot that, about that. No, man. So you got this book coming out. And that I see That's you're writing Is another one coming out. There's two coming out, right? No, no.
0: I, thought, okay. I saw somebody selling the galley copy on eBay somehow. So that means somebody that I gave the, the galley copies somehow selling it on eBay, which is really funny. Um, but yeah, no, no, there's not. There's not two books coming out.
1: Um, for some reason, I thought, oh, well, maybe it maybe it was something I misread. Something. But anyway, you got this book called The Align Method coming out. It's pretty much like your principles. Um for, I mean, pretty much for life, right? Like talk about like, what was the, what was the, what was the influence behind it? Was it your career? Or was it just an idea you had? Like just getting pen to paper with something you're passionate about? Like what was the, the idea behind the book?
0: So with certain things, you know, so one thing like that I, I've heard other people say something along the lines of like, if you, you should write a book if uh, it would be more painful not to write it than than to write it. Because going through the process of creating like a meaningful book and doing the you know the publisher and having like the whole like really putting your life into it, it's like you know it's a real pain in the ass. Um, but it's also this rewarding experience, and it's you know but there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, and so I've felt with watching the world um, through. You know, traveling to different places and just seeing clients, and you know my own personal experiences. Uh, once you see, in my case, the way that the modern environment forms the structure of people, you know, of humanity, um, and then start to see the patterns of how that those structural patterns affect the way that we think and the way we feel, and then you draw that into you know statistically the the direction of. Culture, um, at least from the perspective of like obesity or anxiety or depression and, you know, or the use of pharmaceutical medications or, you know, just all of those things or pollution. Like there's so many different things. And there's a lot of beautiful things happening as well. Uh, But once you start to see that perspective of the way that our environment forms us, uh, it's like impossible to unsee it. And once you start to see the way that, like, people, you know, staring at their cell phone so much, you know, they're, like, uh, looking at their phone or a screen, like, 50% of the day, a lot of people, you know, or even more than that, um, you know, and sitting in their car and sitting in the buses and the trains and, like, that's, like, that effect, the way that that impacts the way that we, you know, not only operate at a cellular level but also a mental-emotional level. uh, Once you start really, you know, allowing yourself to kind of, like, steep in that, you're, like, you can't you can't take it off, you know, and so that I wanted to create a book that was the user's manual on how to uh, Tap into your movement in literally any situation so that includes the way that sounds affect our physiology uh, The way that our visual muscles looking out in the distance looking up close and you know blurring our vision or really focusing our vision uh, body language uh, You know all of these different aspects of your life. They're all movement based and I didn't really see a a book or a a program or anything that's like really looks at movement from that broad of a perspective. Uh, there's some people that actually do a decent job with it, but but um, I wanted to make something that was that was simple for you know any sixth grader or you know any person to really be able to pick up and get value from. So that was that was the goal with it.
1: Yeah. And I, I think the way you just laid it out there is just going to be so tangible and digestible for anybody to read. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask in, in response to that is I struggle a lot with anxiety. So I've had anxiety since I was a kid. Yep. What kind of what kind of what would you tell like me if I, if you were with me and like I was having like I started panicking and I had that fight or flight response. Yeah. What, what kind of things would you have me do that's in line with your method in the book that would kind of help calm me down and get me more centered?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we literally just take chapters out of out of or various different sections out of out of chapters and say one would be tap into your breath. Um, so that'd be the very obvious one. Your the your breathing pattern is a one to one relationship. The your autonomic autonomic state. Uh, so if you're panicking, anxious, what does your breath do? Speeds Speeds up, goes up into your chest, right, so right. you could, so you, and so then that is a self-fulfilling prophecy, which sends this feedback loop into your self at a cellular level. Like, okay, cool, Doug's freaking out. Uh, we well, I guess, let's just upregulate all the cortisols and the stress. Like, we're we're freaking out. There's a lion in the room. Um, So you can mechanically unwind that and bring your hands to your lower ribs or maybe even back to your back uh, and start to feel that breath starting to descend, getting that diaphragm to come online, um, emphasizing that exhalation as opposed to the inhalation. I think when you get scared, you go (gasps) – when you chill out and you look over to a view and a panorama over the ocean, you go (sighs) – right, right, right. You know, so you have that, that long kind of, oh, exhalation. Think of like in yoga, they have you ohm. Oh, you're one, you're using sound to tune your nervous system and tell you it's safe. Um, and also you're doing that long exhalation. Uh, next thing I would suggest is realize that your visual system is also informing your autonomic experience, the, the, the state of your nervous system. So if you're stressed out, and your go-to to make you feel unstressed is maybe to look at Facebook or Instagram because, it, you know, you see relationships of people or, you know, what smiling faces or something like that. By you myopically focusing your vision into that position and, and causing those ciliary muscles to contract and, you know, to you have to bend that light because you're looking up close like that. You're also focusing your vision in the way – think if you were in the wild, you were hunting an animal or something. You would focus all of your your visual – Mustered right into that one position compare that to looking out over the horizon look out over the mountains over the savanna over the ocean you have that oh, calm state that's been physiologically anchored into your Your human animal for at least this lifetime, but probably millions of years that when doug looks out over the distance and takes in that panorama He's calm. He's taking it all in. He's relaxed. He's resting. He's healing when he focuses in whoosh, into that shark vision, he's hunting, he's being hunted, he's attacking, he's he's getting something done. He's focused. Um, so that would be one thing. Tap into your vision. Um, another thing would be uh, check your overall postural patterns. So is your postural patterns in a place of defense? Is it a place of uh, openness? You know. So maybe you could go go outside, um, be exposed to natural sunlight. Um, take your shoes off, get grounded, get your feet on some roots or some rocks, get starting to get some feedback of information down into your lower body to get yourself out of your head and into your feet. Um, bring your arms up over your head, hang off of a tree branch, you know, put yourself more into this kind of like, okay, cool. Like it's, it's safe enough for me to kind of open my arms up and open my organs, open up my throat. Like I feel safe in this, I feel like a winner in this position. Um, that would be a fine start. Dude, that was freaking awesome. I mean, you're super. I could what I could tell about you,
1: man, is you're you're really self-taught and you're super smart. And <laughs> I, this I is mean, the <laughs> no, and know I, I respect that because it just looks like it just seems like just based on your trajectory of your career too. Like you've you've really taken um like the bull by the horns and like really like immerse yourself in the knowledge and wisdom needed to do like whatever it is. I mean, just from like talking to you about how you built your podcast and everything, as far as then you know this whole the method you've kind of created and how you've kind of just you know stuck by it and really like integrating it into all aspects of your life. Um, so the last question I always ask the guests, right, is, and, and by the way, like this was awesome. I mean, I wanted to like talk to you a, like a bit about like a little bit of everything because I think you have an interesting backstory. I think it's really intriguing to me, this whole Rolfing thing and how people get involved in that as well as like your transition from, you know, Lancaster, Amish country to LA, if you had a buddy, say it was you know one of your hippie friends in Hawaii or somebody <laughs> that you hang out with in Venice right now that you're holding above your head who is really struggling deep down, like had some you know pain that they just can't get through, they're in that that darkness. What advice would you give to them, and like what would you say to them?
0: Hmm. I mean, it would it would be totally circumstance dependent, but for the most part, I think I would probably just listen, um, and I would probably. Change our environment, you know, and take us out into the place where a a a, a view exists, and then we'd go hike up in the hills, and we would get our bodies walking and moving, and you um, know, looking up into the trees and looking up into the clouds, and um, you know, I think that we have all of these medicinal tools at our at our 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 grasping. It's just a matter of actually we actually have to you know put ourselves in those positions. So I think I'd probably uh listen and then put ourselves into an environment that is inherently soothing and healing and kind of just like allow nature to do its do its trick. Yeah, I mean nature is
1: a it's like the there's the vitamin D it's called vitamin D for a reason but I think nature just makes it like the vitamin, you know, n, right? Because I think anytime I get in nature, I mean, I don't know spiritually like i just feel like the spirits just around me and inside of me and i just some of my deepest thoughts and best ideas have come from that and it's so soothing and i'm sure like in la right like it's like you get into the mountains out there like i know i've hiked i've been out in the santa monica mountains and i've been um you know done some walking around like the hills and it can be really like breathtaking just to get a cool
0: view you know oh yeah yeah i mean nature's everywhere you like the, the the belief that oh i live in a city or whatever like pavement is nature. You know, like like there's trees and there's roots and, the, you know, all of that. Like there's not a separation between just because you put some some stone and pavement over the grass and rock doesn't mean that you're like not touching earth. You know, so I think that having a reframe of realizing like, you know, nature's everywhere. And then when you do go into like the proper nature, nature, you know, and you're around waterfalls and the birds chirping and all that stuff, it becomes extra healing. Um, but I think that it's, it's very easy to have like a grass is greener type perspective which can be very pollutive to our, our, our ourselves at a cellular level because we're always – we're continually – we're perpetuating or manifesting the story that we tell ourselves inside of our mind. And so if you tell yourself that I live in this you know shitty frenetic environment and there's pollution and the GMOs and the pesticides and the – oh my god and all the, the phthalates and, ah, and the EMF, electro, dirty electricity – you know, it's like, yeah, you're right. All that stuff exists. And now you are uh, pretty much like a victim to it. Um, I think from the same context, you can go the other direction and say, you know what? Like, yeah, that stuff does exist. I'm going to do my damnedest to put myself in the best position possible and also recognize that I do have control from the inside out as well. Yeah. You know, so it's like a two way circuit. Dude, this has been awesome.
1: I can't wait to, I got to, like I was saying, I got to come to LA. Um, at some point I got a couple shows to do out there and I would love to just get together with you, get some rolfing and get a workout because you just seem like a cool dude to hang yeah, out let's do it. with. Um, where can people find yeah, you? Man. Where can people find you if they want to find out more about you? I know your book drops, um, in a few weeks. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to the, for the for the Amazon link there, but where can people find you most? Is it on Instagram? I'm guessing.
0: Yeah. So the book is probably dropped whenever this goes out. So the book, the book comes out December 24th, 2019. And um, if you look at, so the book is called the Align Method, and if people grab it on thealignbook.com. Um, then they'll get free instructional guides on how to align your travel and how to spend time on the ground, which is a, a big. It's a, one of the, the chapters of the book. Is just the value of getting up and down off of the ground. You know, we can learn more about that in the book. Um, and then anywhere else is just if you look at look up a line podcast on the internet. You'll, you'll find it. That's my Instagram and website and the name of the podcast, obviously.
1: Sweet, dude. Well, this has been awesome. Um, I appreciate everybody listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on what my man Aaron Alexander had to share today. I'll talk to you next time.
0: Thanks, brother. Hopefully that wasn't too terrible.
1: No, dude, it was great. Thank you. <laughs> no I appreciate it. Um, yeah.